Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, guys, you are listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You got Will Dykstra here in studio today instead of Terry. Instead of Terry, and I'll tell you what we are—we've got Nathan Zelinsky on the line, and we've got a lot to talk about today. Nate, how we doing? Doing fantastic. Will, how are you today? You know, I'm good. I kind of—I don't know how it was in your neck of the woods this morning when you woke up, but I woke up to another two two inches of snow on the on the ground here in Castle Rock, and and I'd say that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm winter still letting us know that it's around, but I'm ready for spring. How about you? <laughs> well, you know, I woke up to no snow. It's great. I was uh, actually in my brand new 2019 Nitro uh, early this morning doing the final touches of uh, the final rigging. It's exciting. I had three guided ice fishing trips this week, and I have three open water trips this week. So it's that time of year where we're uh, going to start burning, uh, burning the clocks pretty hard, you know, opening the, the morning up with some ice fishing and ending the day on the boat chasing some walleye. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a busy week, but it's that time of year where we're trying to capitalize on everything. Absolutely. Nate, you know, so we've had um, a good friend of both of ours, uh, but, you, but you certainly know him better than I do. We had Pete Maina on earlier talking a little bit about predators this morning. Then we just hung up the phone with Joe Booker. And, you know, something we have, we have absolutely great predator angling here in Colorado. But before we get to that predator angling, we have some of the best walleye fishing um, in the country. And, and this springtime time frame of year is, is, is one of the best times of year to catch some of the biggest fish of the year. Absolutely, you know, and yeah, there's no doubt you've had some heck of some guests on there, and uh, yeah, Pete's a good person. It's funny we get around Pete, and we very rarely talk fishing. We talk, uh, we talk hunting, we talk personal life, we uh, we talk his friends, and I miss the fishing segment. A lot of times, I hear more fishing uh, through him, through you, than anything else. It's neat to see that, but uh, there's no doubt we have some incredible walleye fishing. It's one of those things that we talk about that a lot because this time of year we see our biggest fish. You know, right now at our at our lakes, whether you're shore fishing or soon to open to boating, um, you know, we have pre spawn fish we have spawning fish and we have post-spawning fish it's really unique that here in colorado our fish are very spread out especially lake to lake you know chatfield doesn't act like cherry creek cherry creek doesn't act like pueblo pueblo doesn't act like aurora um they're all different so we get really uh, almost two months of these cycles where you can catch pre-spawn spawn and post-spawn fish all in the same day uh if you know where to target them and how to target them um but again we see our biggest fish of the year oftentimes now and in the fall. Now, one of the biggest kind of misconceptions is people don't think you can catch those big fish in summer, which you absolutely can. It's just our, our younger, our sub, you know, mature um, you know, walleye population, I say, is so strong. Anglers have a hard time getting away from them. It's one of those things that, you know, you go out to, to your Chatfield Trade Creek of Pueblos in, in May and June, and when you can have 100, 150 fish days, it's hard to leave that and go cast big cranks or go troll bait um, seeking out two or three bites a day for those bigger fish. The opportunities are there, but anglers don't tend to do it. And when you don't have anglers targeting that, you tend to lose patterns and it just gets a little bit more difficult. But those big fish are available all year, but right now they're probably at their most vulnerable state. They're packing on the weight, getting ready for spawn. Obviously, you have opportunities of, of putting a bait in front of their face during the spawn. And in that post-spawn, they stack up in shallow, warm water, uh, trying to regain that weight that they lost during spawn. And again, it just it really puts a, it narrows down the window of where and when these fish are feeding, and makes it much easier on us, the angler, to, to capitalize on those fish and have some of those opportunities at some of those giant fish of the spring. 
Absolutely. And, Nate, you know, something you said that, that actually uh, is a good segue into what we were going to talk about next. But the fact that, you know, this time of year is a great time of year for, for basically all anglers to have a chance at catching some of these bigger fish. And, and something that, that you have kind of come up with this year, for those of you that, that, that are familiar with it, is we, we run a tournament series at Tightline Outdoors, uh, a, several different tournament series. We have Walleye Insanity, Bass Obsession, and uh, Don't Bash the Trash Carp Series. And something that's unique that, that you kind of came up with this year is coming up with a tournament series that caters to all anglers, a lot like this time of year kind of fishing does. And so talk a little bit about some of these changes, because we're really excited that we are opening up a tournament series that basically doesn't confine just the guys that are able to have a boat to get out there and fish. Absolutely. You know, we've ran Walleye Insanity, our, our traditional two-man team tournament, for three years. And every year, you know, we have the same guys that are just hitting us up. Hey, you know, I don't have a boat with a suitable live well. I have a boat, but I don't have a live well system to hold five legal fish, you know, here in Colorado. Or we hear the situation, hey, I have a boat, but I don't have a tournament partner. And, you know, your Chatfields, Cherry Creeks, you know, with only three fish, I can't compete with a guy who has a tournament partner. And then we have a ton of guys. Obviously, the kayak world is blowing up. I mean, we have a fantastic kayak club here in Denver. And just generally speaking, the kayak fishing is is blowing up. I mean, these kayaks are as tricked out as some of our tournament boats. Um, and those guys have been always asking, hey, we want to get into these tournaments. You know, how do we do it as a kayak angler? We've never had a situation, even from the shore angler's perspective. We've never had those options. And then you also look at the general team tournament event series in Colorado, in Wyoming, anywhere in the country. And those events, the numbers are somewhat diminishing. Uh, some In some regions, it's diminishing quickly. Some, dimension, some is diminishing a little bit slower. But the team walleye fishing is not quite as strong as it used to be. Um, and obviously, here at Tightline, we are all about the education. We're about promoting the sport. We want to have a strong series. We want to have a group of anglers that, when Colorado Parks and Wildlife is saying, hey, we need input on walleye, we want to have a massive collection of anglers that's unified that we can say, hey, we have an opinion. You know, we, we, we would like to give you some information. Um, so we're trying to build this, this bigger tournament series, per se, just to have a larger group of walleye fishermen that's united, that's, that's considered a group. Um, so this year at Walleye Insanity, we have kind of taken away a lot of those stipulations. So now... It's $75 per person to enter. Um, we got rid of the, comp, you know, the, the the situation of having to weigh a limit of fish. Now it's not weighing in a, a five-fish bag. It's the heavier, the single longest fish is going to take home that prize. So the single longest walleye is going to take home that prize. So now you can shore fish. You can fish from a float tube, a canoe, a kayak, a boat. If you have a boat and you have two or three buddies, all of you can fish on that one boat. You're all fishing against each other, but you can still fish together. Uh, so now, again, we've kind of opened up the doors to, to bring in a lot more anglers. Uh, we've made it more you know, affordable. So now a lot of anglers that couldn't afford the, you know, the $250 entry fee type stuff, it's now affordable to fish this. So, again, we've kind of opened up all the doors, uh, took away a lot of stipulations that were hurting people, just to, to again, make a, a series that's more built for all anglers instead of a very specific angler. So we're excited about it. Anglers will uh, you can actually go on our website on Monday morning at 8 a.m to sign up register the first event is april 13th at cherry creek reservoir that will be 7 a.m to 3 p.m um you actually come to a rules meeting early in the morning before the tournament and we actually give you a measure board so we're giving you a ruler 
uh, that's very specific to this event, and you're actually going to video your fish. So as you catch a, a legal walleye, an 18-inch walleye, you're going to lay that fish on a board, take a video of you measuring that fish, and then video you releasing that fish to make sure there's no fish transferring. Uh, and then you're going to enter your fish that way. You can text it in. You can run it in. Uh, a lot of options like that. We'll cover all those facts as it gets a little closer. But, again, it's uh, it's built for everyone, and we are very excited about it. First event's April 13th, and all the facts will be on our website this coming Monday morning at 8 a.m. Now, now, Nathan, that is, I'm, I'm really excited about how we're going to be running this this year. And, and something that, that a lot of people don't realize or a lot of people don't think about is the fact that, yes, this is definitely going to be a, you know, it's the longest fish wins. So it's going to actually require more skill, I feel like, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like that's going to require more skill to kind of fine-tune your presentation or fine-tune your tactic in order to catch that biggest fish. Well, it's going to lead to a, to a lot of options. I mean, obviously now instead of maybe going to a place where you're just trying to catch five minute walleyes that are all eighteen to you know stack up a ten pound bag, now you might go looking for that more mature season. The other big thing, especially the spring tournament, you know, a general early ice out tournament like this, I'm looking for pre spawn fish. I'm looking for spawning fish that hold more weight. So I'm really looking for you know, those heavier fish, which might even be shorter now. You throw into perspective those those post spawn fish, the fish that are starving. You know that that female walleye that you know twenty eight inches as a pre spawn fish is you know ten pounds as a post spawn fish is six and a half pounds. That fish can still do you a lot of good now because by length, so you can really target the fish that are active, the fish that are feeding. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff to it. It's definitely going to be a skill level, um, obviously to to target that one fish. Now necessarily you don't have to fish for as many bites. You know, obviously somebody can go out there and cull through a lot of fish seeking the longest fish, or you can just fish for that that one big fish uh, to have that opportunity. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of you know options in the game, um, and I'm really excited too because I think just as a as a walleye angler in Colorado, we oftentimes see anglers fishing very deep and or maybe missing some of the opportunities. We have a, a walleye tournament down at Pueblo, and we always see the the winning weight. You know, and we usually probably average between that 10 and 15 pounds. And then we hold a bass tournament at Pueblo, and we see guys fishing shallower water, fishing different opportunities. And if the bass guys could weigh in walleye, we would see those weights being up in the 20-pound range for a five-fish limit. And we see a totally different tactic. And I think the short angling aspect of this is going to bring in some bigger fish that a lot of people are overlooking. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm from shore. I'm not going to catch this boat. I think as you see these guys kind of, you know, fishing in different waters, I think we're going to see some dramatic changes in the, the size of fish that win. And I think it's really going to, going to educate just as a whole. I think the boat guys are going to learn from the shore guys. The shore guys are going to learn from the boat guys um, and vice versa. I think it's going to be a really neat, you know, educational point to, again, establish and build a, a walleye community that's a little stronger now. Absolutely. I definitely couldn't agree with you more and very excited to see how this goes this year and, and to see uh, just how big a fish that, that, that we might be missing in our normal tournament format. So, Nate, thank you again for coming on. If guys are looking to get out on a guide trip, um, how do they get a hold of us here at Tightline Outdoors? Absolutely. We, uh, I mean, obviously we're in very limited space. The bites are hot. The, the late ice cap definitely pushed the schedule a little bit. Um, I, right now I have got a hot kokanee bite at 11 mile through the ice. I'm hitting that this week while the ice is still good. I've got a phenomenal pike bite, probably the 
best tip-up pike fishing I've ever seen in the state in my 19 years or 20 years as a guide here. Um, and that's going right now. So we can squeeze in on that. And then obviously the Front Range Lakes will be opening here very, very soon. Uh, Cherry Creek is literally almost about to open. Um, Chatfield will just be you know days behind that and, and vice versa. A lot of different options there. So uh, those walleye trips are going as well. So go to Tightline Outdoors, get our information, give us a call. We'd love to educate you right off the bat. Learn now. Come on a trip learn the bite so then you can take part of this bite for the next several months. Again, increase that general take, increase your success, uh, book a trip early, and, uh, and benefit from the rewards of that education. All right, Nate. Thanks for coming on. Look forward to uh, seeing how everything goes this year. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right. Guys, that's Nathan Zielinski with Tightline Outdoors. Again, the uh, um, coming up with the new uh, walleye tournament series, or the, the walleye insanity, insanity uh, format. Just really excited about everything we've got going on there. So uh, just stay tuned and, and certainly hop on to tightlineoutdoors.com to register if you're interested in, in doing that tournament series. And obviously, if you're interested in getting out for a guide trip, that's the way to do it, too. So we are uh, coming up against a break here. We've got Rebecca Farrell coming up from uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife to talk about being bear aware. So uh, looking forward to having her coming on next. You're listening to 104.3 The Fan. All right, you are listening to 104.3 The Fan. This is the Terry Wickstrom Outdoor Show, and you have Will Dykstra here in studio today covering for Terry on this beautiful Saturday morning. Happy to be in studio and uh, excited to talk about the next subject we're talking about. We've got uh, Rebecca Farrell, the communications specialist with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and it is that time of year. Uh, Rebecca, I feel like every year that I that I fill in host, uh, at least for the last several years, I've had you on to talk about this subject that is an absolute uh, great topic to talk about, especially for those of us that live near the foothills or even in the foothills of the mountains here, especially uh, in, in the Denver area. So, Rebecca, th- first of all, thank you for coming on today. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Will? You know, I am absolutely fantastic, and, and I've told everybody today so far I woke up to, uh, you know, another uh, – inch and a half to two inches plus of snow on my uh, grass this morning. So winter just keeps letting us know that it's lingering around. But uh, it not, might not be the same for, for all the animals out there, especially the bears. That's true. If it's the first week of spring, it's time to start talking about bears. You're right. Um, and so, you know, we really just want to remind people, we, we all get a little bit uh, lackadaisical maybe in some of our good habits over the winter. Um, and so, you know, now that spring is coming and, and bears are starting to wake up, we've already seen a, a few instances down in Colorado Springs as well as over in Boulder of, of bears being spotted. Um, it's really the time to start thinking about being bear aware. And that's true whether you're thinking about how to keep bears away from your, your home and out of your garage and trash or whether you're out camping and and want to keep them kind of away from your campsite. Absolutely. You know, that's something that that a lot of people don't, you know, think a ton about is the fact that, you know, while they're still, they're animals, they're certainly wild animals, but they're also very smart and and they don't want to work any harder than they have to 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 get something to eat. So uh, making sure that you're doing certain things, precautions to make sure that you not only keep yourself safe, but also keep uh, these animals safe from needing to get, uh, you know, the, the... the three strike rule or the or kind of the rule of thumb that parks and wildlife has to deal with with these bears you know because once they become habituated to to a way that the, a way of life um it can certainly be uh as as harmful for the bears as it is for us or even more 
Well, absolutely. And and that's what we really want people to remember is that, you know, some people find it, you know, interesting and, and cool that they live among nature. And it certainly is. That's one of the amazing and awesome things about living in Colorado. Um, but seeing a bear near your home, um, seeing a bear repeatedly in your neighborhood is not good for you or for the bear. Um, if a bear becomes really habituated, figures out that there's an easy food source because people aren't using bear-proof trash cans where there might be an ordinance to do so or are being careless by leaving you know, just bags of garbage out, figuring they can just throw it out in the morning when the trash guy comes, um, you're, you're tempting that bear. You're giving that bear an opportunity for really easy calories and really easy food. And why work harder than you have to? Why, why wait for somebody to bring you a plate when you can go to a buffet, right? So, you know, we want to make sure that people are thinking about that sort of thing. Um, you know, it, it's great to live among nature. If they get too close, that's when we start having problems. And, and we don't want to have to come deal with a bear in your neighborhood. We would much rather have a bear be where it needs to be, eating the food that it needs to be eating. This time of year, you know, it's got new grasses, it's got new buds coming Coming up, that's the kind of thing that it should be looking for in eating, and we don't want to give it an opportunity for an easy meal in your trash can. Yeah, there's no question, in, in, you know, in a, in a motto or slang that goes along with this is we want to make sure that we're keeping wildlife wild, and not necessarily um, making it too easy on them to be in our communities and stuff like that. Because as much as everybody loves to have a picture of a bear in their backyard or a picture of a bear on their street. Um, you know, it, it is a problem and it's something that definitely, you know, you need to be conscious of, especially, you know, like you said, you've already had some, uh, some instances in Colorado Springs where there's been some sightings. And fortunately, it sounds like that hasn't turned into anything more than sightings. But you just want to make sure you're doing what you can do uh, to keep that wildlife wild. So, And that goes along with, you know, not just bears, for instance. You know, a lot of people with coyotes, foxes, that kind of thing, raccoons, you know, think it's cool to see them and, and don't realize that it's not just harmful for them. It's harmful for, for the animal itself as well as maybe pets that you might have. Well, sure. I mean, it, it, we just had uh, an instance down in the southwest part of the state where um, several deer were found deceased and when we we looked at those animals we found out people had been feeding them corn and, and dog food and things like that where it was full their bellies were full of things that they shouldn't be eating um, so that's really dangerous for the animal um, but in addition to that to your point if you're putting out food or putting out a salt lick for something to come and be attracted into your area that's going to attract predators as well and so you know not only will that be something that might draw um, you know bears or, or mountain lions to where some deer and, and young animals are congregating but that could mean that those animals come back when when there's a pet involved and, and they may not see a deer but they may see your dog and so we want people to be really cognizant of the fact that you know keeping wildlife wild is, is absolutely the right way to think about it um, you know conservation really lies at the heart of what we do we don't want to be handling nuisance animals we certainly it's the worst part of our officers jobs to have to make a decision on euthanizing an animal we don't want to be in that position and so the only way that we can make sure that that's avoided is for people to help us out by being part of that conservation mission uh, Absolutely. And something else to kind of hammer on, and I certainly don't want to talk about it in a, in a negative connotation by any means, but what some people might not realize too is that, yes, you might be thinking that you're helping the animal. It was a hard winter, um, you know, that kind of thing by feeding them, but there's also legal ramifications to feeding wildlife. Absolutely. It is illegal to feed wildlife in Colorado. And so, um, you know, not only, again, is it, is it bad for the animal's health, it's, it's bad for possible predatory situations, but it could land you a fine or a ticket as well. And so, um, you know, if you enjoy kind of doing some of the things that you like to do in Colorado, you don't want to be facing a fine or have an officer remember that you're the guy who put out dog food for the deer. So it's just overall a good idea to remember that wildlife has been here. It's been able to, to survive harsh winters for, for much longer than any of us listening or 
talking today have been here, and, and it's best to just let them do the things that they need to do. Absolutely. Rebecca, thank you so much. This is great information. And if people want to find out more about um, some information from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, where, they, where can they go to do so? Um, you can go right to our website, which is cpw.state.co.us. If you want to learn specifically about bears, you can just throw a backslash bears in there. It'll take you right to our Living with Bears page. You can get all kinds of good information. Awesome. Thank you again, Rebecca, for coming on. That is just great information for all of you listeners out there that, that might live in these areas that are adjacent to, to wilderness areas or to, or, to for, or to national forest, stuff like that. So just keep all this in mind when you're uh, putting your trash out and, and even when you're camping. So thanks again for coming on, Rebecca. Uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. Well, thanks. All right, guys. That was Rebecca Farrell. Again, just make sure you're paying attention to that kind of stuff. And, and like you, like we said, we want to make sure we're keeping wildlife wild. Uh, we are up against a break here. You're listening to 104.3 The Fan. All righty. You are listening to 104.3 The Fan. This segment of the Terry Wickstrom Outdoor Show is brought to you by Sun Power Sports. And we're going to jump right to the phone. We have... Uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife District Wildlife Manager from the Lyman area, Mr. Logan Wilkins, on the phone. Logan, how are we doing today? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I, you know, like I said, we are. I'm, I'm ready for spring. I'm ready for for some warm weather. I'm ready for for open water fishing and all of that stuff. And there's also some some hunting that's coming up around the corner here. And uh, I'm certainly uh, ready for spring to say the least. So, Logan, you know, we're having you on today to talk about something that I think is extremely important. You know, I grew up fishing and hunting in my family. You know, my dad took me out from a very young age. Um, you know, and, and honestly, the way that my dad got in, into hunting, uh, he hunted a little bit with his dad growing up, but not much. And it actually was basically started by somebody getting him out and going hunting with them to kind of create that uh, passion for hunting. And something you want to talk about today is kind of mentoring hunters and bringing more people um, into the the hobby and the, the sport that hunting is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, so Logan, talk about, you know, what are some things and ways that you can, you know, certainly – Hunting can be one of those things that can come across as something that's extremely overwhelming. You know, people hear, well, there's there's the draw system, you know, and there's there's licenses that you got to purchase, you know, through a lottery system, and that's that's the only way you get a tag in Colorado, and, and that's that couldn't be further from the truth. And the reality is, is um, it's very easy to get to get a hunting license here in Colorado, very easy to get a fishing license here in Colorado, and, and it's as easy as just saying, hey, you want to join me this weekend to go turkey hunting or you want to go on my deer hunt this fall or my elk hunt this fall? And, and, you know, there's over-the-counter opportunities. And and also there are draw opportunities where, you know, it doesn't require uh, preference points necessarily to draw that tag. So talk about what we have kind of coming up here and how you can get more hunters into or more um, people, whether it's your friends, your neighbor, into the sport of hunting. Yeah, and, and well, like you said, there's there's tons of opportunity, um, and the draw deadline is coming up April second, um, which is kind of part of the reason I want to talk to you um, now. Is just to you know encourage folks to invite somebody out with them. Um, as uh, we've talked before, um, in Colorado Springs, we run the Rookie Sportsman Program, where um, as an agency, it's a pilot program where we're mentoring um, entire families or um, or uh, single individuals and stuff through a whole year to kind of prep them for a fall big game hunt and take them to the range and things like that. And they're folks that have never um, had a background. They don't have, you know, um, parents or, or close friends or coworkers that, uh, that they know that hunt or that are willing to take them out um, 
and teach them the ropes. And uh, that program's getting so popular now that um, we're actually having to do interviews and turn people away just because we don't have the capacity for it. And uh, over the last couple of years, one thing that I've noticed, and, and I've had a couple of folks tell me when we're interviewing and talking to them and kind of trying to figure out the best, uh, you know, the best folks that are going to fit in that program together for a given year. Um, I've had several adult, um, adult men when I ask them, you know, why, why this program? Why are you, why do you want to do this? Why don't you go out with, you know, somebody that you work with or somebody like that? And I've had a couple of them tell me just point blank, nobody wants to take a grown man out and teach him how to hunt. Um, and as, as a culture, we do a great job of, um, you know, outreach for youth and, and even outreaching towards women now, but there's kind of, you know, this unspoken stigma of an adult man um, or, you know, even, even just a young man, you know, between the ages of, of 20 and, and 30 that uh, he should be able to figure it out. But like you said, it's, it's pretty overwhelming. And when you look at hunting as an industry, um, you know, you can, you can get online and Google it and tons of stuff comes up. You can go to, you know, some store and, and ask them what, what you need and stuff. And they're going to sell you all the products they can. And, and people get overwhelmed thinking that they got to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on gear and thousands of dollars and the, on, you know, a hunt and a, and a guide and, and things like that. Um, whereas it, whereas it can actually be really simple. Um, but people just need somebody to, you know, kind of take them by the hand, invite them along and just let them, let them follow them. And, and I'm like you, I grew up in the outdoors and, and, and my dad mentored me growing up. Um, but there's a lot of folks that didn't get that, um, uh, at a young age and they're still, they're still craving it and desiring to do it. They're just older now. And, and, uh, it's not as easy for them to get somebody to take them out. And my dad grew up and, and hunted a little bit here and there, but it wasn't until he was adult and, um, I think I was still in diapers at the time that he had a gentleman, um, inviting to his elk hunting camp, um, for archery hunting. And dad was already into hunting, uh, but he learned a lot, uh, from that guy over the years. And that guy kind of mentored him and they became hunting partners, um, for a long, long time. And that guy had a big influence on my dad's life as well as mine, um, individually and through my dad. But even to this day, you know, like I taught my dad the ethics of hunting and, and different strategies and, and, you know, some of those moral choices and how to make them and stuff like that. And to this day, when even there's new regulations and stuff come up and dad and I uh, discuss it and what we think, and, you know, there's different proposals to the commission and stuff as we're discussing it before decisions are even made, you know, it never ceases to come up in the conversation of, of what Rod, the gentleman that mentored my dad thinks of it. And, and we'll end up calling him and, and still refer back to him to kind of learn, you know, his take and outlook and, and see a different point of view than what maybe we see. Yeah, you know, that's a great point, and it's, it's funny you say that, and I'm, I'm going to give a shout-out to one of my good buddies here, um, Scott Murdoch, who you might know, who's a district wildlife manager. He and I started yep. hunting together, and, you know, and I'd say I probably had a fair bit more of experience out being out in the woods um, than he did when we first started hunting, and I'll tell you this right now, that guy is, is an elk harvesting and deer harvesting machine, and, you know, so it shows you with dedication in, in, you know, learning the animals, but also spending time getting out with somebody, you can teach them. And I'm by no means saying that I taught Scott how to hunt, but, but just getting out there with them. And now, I mean, he's probably one of the best hunters that I know. So it just goes to show you that it, it, it's, everybody has an opportunity of being successful, but, you know, putting the time in and just getting them out there can certainly be something that you can do to, uh, to bridge that gap. Absolutely. And, and like you said, you know, like I said earlier, you know, as a culture, we do a, a pretty phenomenal job of taking kids out. Um, and 
but the problem is when we take kids out, um, if they aren't already from a hunting background, I mean, if they are, you know, we have a, a youth turkey hunt, let's say, and, um, you know, we have five or six kids in that youth turkey hunt. Well, four of them or three or four of them may come from a household that, you know, they already hunt. So we didn't really recruit that kid. We just gave them an excellent opportunity and experience, which is part of that recruitment process. So I'm not downplaying that at all. But then you have those other two to three kids that don't come from a hunting background. And we gave them a great experience. They're excited. They may have shot a bird, um, you know, and they're 10 or 12 years old. But legally, they can't go out and hunt again on their own until they're 16. And so unless their parents are involved in it or somebody continues to, you know, take them by the hand and, and go with them, they can't legally go for another four to six years. And in that time frame of not being able to go anymore, um, you know, we're finding that they lose interest. They, they get involved in things that they can do, whether it's playing the Xbox, playing sports, driving cars, whatever it is that piques their interest. Um, we haven't recruited that individual um, and we've lost them to some other interest. Uh, so without, you know, getting the parents involved so that they can continually go as a kid, we lose them. Um, but we're finding there's a lot of individuals that have come through that, you know, the teenage years in college and young adults that um, may have had that experience when they were a kid or, or a friend that did it or something and they're interested, but they never learned. And they're at that age where they've got a job, they've, um, you know, they're paying off some student debts, but they can't play sports anymore. Um, you yep. know, many of us go on to play in college, let alone after that. And so they're looking for a new hobby. They're wanting to get outdoors. They're wanting to, you know, be more connected with where their food comes from and things like that. But they don't have anybody to show them. And, and like I said, it's, you know, there's, there's a um, ripe fruit, you know, low-hanging fruit as far as recruitment for those individuals that you take them out a couple of times and show them the ropes um, just to get them started. And then they can proceed on their own, unlike that, that kid that you take out at 10 or 12 years old. Absolutely, Logan. Those are some great points, and and we are uh, actually we got to cut to a break here. But thank you so much for coming on. Real quick, what's where where on the website can they find out more about that program that you guys are running out of the springs? Um, it'll be on our outreach page um, on the website. So if you just look for um, the outreach events and stuff like that, where you actually are just starting um, this fifth year and and got our our new load of people started and just got them through hunter ed for the year so perfect we'll be another round um starting that up in december awesome all right logan well hey thanks for coming on looking forward to hearing more from you about this and uh yeah have a great great rest of your day you too thank you all right guys that was logan wilkins from the lyman area and we are cutting to a break you're listening to 104.3 the fan you are listening to 104.3 the fan this is the terry wickstrom outdoor show i'm will dykstra in studio today covering for Terry and without uh, any delay I'm going to bring J.R. Pierce on the phone from Colorado Clays. J.R. how are we doing today? Doing great Will thanks for having me on. Absolutely as always J.R. it is a pleasure to talk to you and uh, you guys have got just a ton of things in the hopper right now over there at Colorado Clays and obviously you know we talked a little bit earlier this week about it but guys are coming in to pattern their shotguns for turkey season uh, you know, so talk a little bit about uh, what guys can do to prepare for turkey season out there. All right. Well, thanks, Will. Yeah, we uh, every year in the spring before turkey season, we set up a real nice area for the people to come out and patter not just the guns, but the ammo, the chokes, and even the clothing they're going to use in the field and those shooting positions. So we have a real nice area with 20 to 50-yard options 
Um, we do have a backer on there. We can do aiming points, and people are welcome to bring their own targets. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say, well, we're already getting some fantastic results. Uh, these guys are taking their turkey hunting seriously, and I'm liking what I'm seeing. Absolutely. Anything you can do to make yourself a more effective hunter, to have a good, clean harvest, is definitely something that we we certainly want to preach. And, and, you know, this is a great opportunity to do that. Now, along with the, the uh, patterning your, your shotgun for turkey season, uh, there's some other things going on. We've got some new trap hours over there at Colorado Clays. Talk a little bit about what you got going on with the trap stuff. Yeah, and this is, this is a great point you bring up, Will, because um, I think anybody interested in shooting needs to, needs to hear this. So, of course, Colorado Clays is absolutely Colorado's premier public shooting facility, and we do feature the finest in the rifle, pistol, trap, skeet, and sporting clays shooting. Uh, we are open year-round, six days a week, and we close on Tuesdays because Doug and I need to go fishing, and uh, since Terry's not here to defend himself, I want everybody to know I plan on putting it to him next time out. But uh, <laughs> anyway, our normal hours are 9 to 5, um, but every year, starting in the middle of March, when our spring trap league begins, we extend our hours on Wednesday nights to 7 p.m. for everything other than trap and skeet. And, of course, the reason we don't have trap and skeet available on those nights is obviously because our trap league is a very big event and takes up all of those fields all night. But let's review all the great things that are still available Wednesday nights at Colorado Clays. So first, even though our regulation traps are tied up with the league, you can still come out and use our training trap. Now this trap throws a nice straightaway target, and it has a shooting pad right behind the trap house, making it the perfect place to take beginning shooters, whether they're kids or adults. Uh, it's a great place for shooting lessons, so folks can work on the fundamentals with a skill-appropriate target presentation. And it's even a great place just to make sure your gun is hitting where you aim, whether it's a new gun or maybe one you made adjustments to. So it's a great tool that's now available on Wednesday nights until 7 o'clock. If you're a sporting clay shooter, take note, um, and you want to shoot a round of sporting clays after work, Wednesday nights are now that perfect opportunity. And if you've never shot sporting clays at Colorado Clays, uh, you are certainly in for a real treat, Will. We have one of the most beautiful 15-station courses, which is set in the trees and winds through the creek bottom at Colorado Clays. So absolutely take advantage of this uh, throughout the summer. And, of course, we do have the state-of-the-art NRA-approved design rifle and pistol facility. Uh, it features 10 lanes of rifle and 10 pistol bays. Uh, the rifle range has a target viewing system, which consists of a camera on your target and a monitor in your shooting base, so you can do real-time sight-in with no spotting equipment required. Uh, we also have 50-yard intermediate targets if you want to start with those and feel like you need them as well. Our pistol range features a target return system. That allows you to move your target from 1 to 25 yards with the push of a switch. But, Will, the best reason to visit the rifle and pistol range on Wednesday nights versus maybe some other time is that Wednesday nights from 5 to 7 p.m. are half-rise happy hour. And that means you can get a full hour of shooting in this amazing facility for only $10. And finally, of course, these extended hours will come to an end in August when we finish up with our trap league. So I uh, urge everyone to take advantage of them while they're lasting. 
Absolutely, and I'll tell you what, that is my kind of happy hour, JR, getting a chance to shoot for half off over there. And, and something that a lot of guys that I encourage you to do if you're, if you're a rifle hunter um, or even if you're just a pistol shooter, but, but especially from the rifle hunting aspect, is a lot of guys wait to sight in their big game rifles until right before the season. And that doesn't allow you to do much adjustment. If you have something that happened to your gun the previous season or happened to your scope the previous season, the last thing you want to do is be – or last thing you want to have happen is to be tinkering with that – literally days before your hunt so this is a great time of year the weather's nice all that to get out and and you know get that big game rifle dialed into where you're comfortable with it but also not just the fact to get it dialed in um, shooting accurately but to get used to that gun and to get familiar with that firearm because you don't want to have something that you're not used to shooting when you're harvesting when you could potentially have a a big buck or a big bull of a lifetime in front of you uh, and because you weren't familiar with that firearm um, have something go wrong. So definitely, I encourage you to get out there, especially there on Wednesday nights, getting to go shoot for ten bucks. That's cheaper than it costs to drive to some of these areas that you might shoot. Absolutely, Will, and I'm glad you brought that up because you know we hear Terry say this all the time, and he is right. Shooting is a perishable skill, and that applies to rifles, pistols, shotguns alike. So there's it's so much easier to work on your gun, like you said, when we've got the nice weather. Um, heck, why not do it while you're paying half price on Wednesday night? Um, but all those little things, and you hear it all the time, somebody missed an animal or an opportunity because they didn't take that little bit of time to prep. So really no excuse not to have that gun ready with Colorado Clay's summer hours. Absolutely. There's no question. Now, Jerry, we got about two minutes, and something you wanted to talk about was, you know, some kind of frequently asked questions that you guys get about Colorado Clay's. Yeah, well, and, uh, you know, I think I should probably touch on some of this stuff because our phone does ring all day, and I'm going to just start with the most basic questions that people ask here, and uh, maybe it'll answer questions for some folks before they call so they can be ahead of the game. So the first one, of course, is always, what are your hours? So year-round, we try and do 9 to 5 with this summer special hours on Wednesdays lasting till 7. We do have sometimes a year that sundown changes our closing time by a little bit, but that generally is our hours. People want to know where are we located. Well, the easiest way to describe our location is going to be north of DIA and east of Brighton. Now, if you're in the downtown area, if you can get to I-25, we're literally within 25 minutes of downtown. So, uh, and you know, with the main thoroughfares going through, we're not that hard of a drive from anywhere in the metro area. Uh, the basic description of how to get here: I-25 to I-76 East, 76 to Bromley, Bromley to Lanewood, and follow the signs. And it's that simple. And then, of course, one of the last questions here for, that I'll squeeze in now, Will, is what do we offer? So, not just the trap, skeet, sporting clays, rifle, and pistol. But this is the perfect place and opportunity being open to the public for just a friends and family day. We do lots of bachelor, bachelorette type events, uh, even weddings, lots of stuff with the kids. We do 4-H, Boy Scouts, uh, other um, young kid type events and beginning stuff. You can look at our website. Uh, Church programs do a lot of those, high school and college events and events. Uh, types of stuff here. We offer discounted pricing to the kids and the the college and high school people um, as as a gift to them from Colorado Clays. And then, of course, the business or corporate team building type outings and fundraisers. And those can go from the very smallest up to several hundred people and 
nobody does it like Colorado Clays does, Will. You know, JR, you brought up some great points there, and it's just awesome to know what you guys have going on out there. And it's something that I'm definitely planning on visiting. I've got three young kids that I know that I want them to be familiar with firearms so that come the time when we start hunting together, that it's something that I know that they're safe handling and, and certainly teaching them the right way to go about things. And the fact that you guys do all those programs that encourage uh, multiple um, – kind of demographics to get out there it's just awesome some the stuff you guys are doing out there so if you haven't been out there go out there check it out and uh yeah jr you i appreciate you coming on always a wealth of information as far as all the shooting stuff goes well thank you will have a great day yeah you too that was jr pierce out there at colorado clays guys we have got a wrap on the show today it has been a total blast make sure you uh hop online to uh listen to these segments if you missed them and uh, or if you want to re-listen to some of that stuff that we talked about as far as all the fishing goes and we got coming up next we have westwood one's coverage of the ncaa tournament you're listening to 104.3 the fan Rising.